So I've been away for a few weeks, and I mm-hmm. haven't been paying as much attention to the internet as I have been previously. And then I'm sitting in Megar office yesterday, mm-hmm. and I get a push notification from YouTube that CGP Grey is live. <laughs> it's like, this is new. Oh. So wow. I open the YouTube app, and there That's is funny. this big screen with a chat window on the right-hand side and all these numbers, and it says intermission. <laughs> so I'm like, what's this chat thing? So I go up and I sign oh. up for Discord and I appear in this chat room. And then I'm entered into the world of CGP Grey gaming live streamer. Hmm? No. no. What is going on? What have I, I feel like I've caught you in the act. That's how it <laughs> felt to me. It's like all of a sudden I go to CGP Play, which was set up a long time ago. Yeah. There's like six videos there. They're all like two hours long. You're talking about your levels and your frame rate. I'm like, who mm-hmm. who is this person? And I pop into the chat and, and then uh, you started laughing because you knew I'd found you at that point. You've been rumbled. No, this is, uh, you didn't find me. Uh-huh. I, I was busy. I was just doing I was just doing my own thing. Uh, and and you you finally finally noticed. That's all. All I will say is we we have a very good working relationship, me and you, and we share things like this with each other when we're trying new stuff out. You didn't tell me about this one. You just you just went off on your own and got your gaming software. Like I don't I don't like the implication there. First of all, Mike, mm-hmm. there are many things that you don't know about. Right? I have like a whole secret life of secret projects. Well, I have secrets too. Okay. It's not a competition. It's not well, a secret competition, Mike. <laughs> Wait, if it's a secret competition, we wouldn't even know about it, right? Well, you know, I guess, I guess, yeah, maybe not. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I just, you know, I'm just, just, just trying something out, just playing around. I'm just messing around on the internet, Mike. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't you worry. Don't you worry. I got my eye on you. You're up to something. I don't know what it is yet, but I know you're up to something. I'm, I'm not up to anything. I don't even know what I'm up to. Happy episode 50, Gray. It is our golden anniversary. Happy cortex anniversary. No, I think that cortex anniversary is held back for birthdays of the show. What? Is, it, oh, is that for birthdays for the show? Yeah, yeah. We fell into that hole a while ago. I, I realized that we've actually used the name before, but uh, we can maybe call this a cortex anniversary too. There can be many cortex anniversaries, like how the queen has many birthdays. We have many cortex anniversaries. Yeah, it's funny. She gets to cheat. She has like three birthdays. Like, wait a minute. How did, how did you wrangle that out? The answer is she's the queen. Yeah, if you can make up all the rules, <laughs> I'd have 10 birthdays. Like, yeah. Why not? Bring me all the presents. <laughs> Give me a parade. I want a parade. Yeah, it's my birthday twice today. You have to bring me two presents. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm kind of surprised that there hasn't been a parade for episode 50 of the show. But like, you know, whatever. If people don't want to put that together, that's fine. But here we are. It's It's episode number 50. And... I mentioned this in our last episode that I wanted to take episode 50 as a time to look back on the show a little bit. Yes. We've been doing we've been doing this for what, 5 years now? It's something think it's something like that. I actually genuinely don't have any idea how long we've been doing it. It's about 2 years. Wow. Which I never quite remember that it's been that long. Like it doesn't feel it doesn't feel like it's been 2 years. Yeah, that doesn't feel right at all in my head either. Yeah, we started the show in June 2015, so we're rounding up on two years. Yeah, yeah, I guess that makes sense, right? Because last summer, or <laughs> how do I phrase the way my brain is putting this together? I was going to say, 
last summer existed and was not the nightmare summer of when we started Cortex. Yep. And we're coming up on a new summer. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I guess, yeah, that would make sense. About two years. About two huh. years. So over this time, I think we have imparted our, all the wisdom that we have, right? We're out of wisdom. This is actually the last show. No, don't say stuff like that. <laughs> because when you say things oh, like... Oh, are we not supposed to tell the people that this is the last show? Don't do that. Don't do it. It's not fair. Oh. You're being mean now to the, to the listeners. Oh, it's not fair still... to be that way. <laughs> oh, you under a different impression. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I thought we were doing a very different show today, Mike. Yeah. So, sorry to say, buddy. Check the contract. We're still going. You ain't getting away from me yet. Oh, no. Why did I sign this? You ain't getting away from me yet. I've, I've got you. We're going to be doing this for a long time to come. I'm going to send a message to my lawyer. Well, it's too late for that. It's too <laughs> late for that. I've employed a vast team... To make sure that you're not going to get out of my clutches. <laughs> but we are going to take some time to look back at the show. And um, a couple of things I asked our listeners. I asked our listeners to provide us with some times where we said some stupid things. Mm-hmm. And then also for people to tell us what they've learned over the show. Um, mm-hmm. Every now and then, I think you've said this, you've got to, you've got to review and summarize. And this, this is a review and summary of the last 50 episodes, I think. Mm-hmm. I think we should start off with some of the stupid stuff we said. Okay. So uh, there's there's one for me and one for you here, which are, which I think are kind of hilarious. Mm. Bernardo wrote in to remind me that on episode one of the show, I said I have an iPad, I just don't use it ever. The only thing I ever use it for is video. <laughs> and I remember, I re- I have vivid memories of recording episode one of the show. Oh, do you? Yeah, I remember it vividly. And I remember at that point, I took a look to my right hand side, and my iPad was sitting there underneath a book. so at that point i really was not on the ipad train in any way no no i think also like i I listened to the clip and and you at that point really were not either like you were using them more but like pretty much primarily for consumption at that point is that is that how i described it at the time kind of like you talk about it being like a great entertainment device Hmm. I I feel like we have to go back and look at the record Uh, because I think maybe I was agreeing with you that it's good as an entertainment device, but like I always wrote scripts on an iPad like a lot. All I have is the words that you said, and luckily there is a record. And I said this wouldn't be a clip show, but now we're only five minutes in, and I'm gonna play a clip. (laughs) Is it fair to say maybe your iPhone is the most important of the two? Ooh, that's a hard. If if I had to pick between the two, if I could only have one, that's a difficult question. I'd have to sit down and think about that for a while. Hmm. That's that's not immediately answerable. Wow, that's surprising to me. I guess that shows a difference in the way that that me and you work. Like I don't even use an iPad. I have one. I just don't use it ever. Right. Um. Because you know, my my iPhone is like that's like the most important device that I own. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's closer. It's closer for me. It, it, my my iPads do not live unloved on the floor somewhere in my house, as, as presumably yours does. It's like somewhere. Uh, I, if I ever need it, I always have to search for it. It's never it's never in a place that's immediately obvious. Mm-hmm. Like the only thing I ever ever use it for is to watch video on. Yeah, that, it, they're they're very good for browsing stuff. I feel like I the, the, like using an iPad for writing was always the thing that attracted me at the very first to the iPad. Mm-hmm. Like that's the whole reason I bought an iPad 
was I remember looking at my wife's iPad, which I originally thought was like, oh, this will just be a thing used for video. And then I saw her using it. I was like, ooh, that looks really interesting. Um, <laughs> and like, I think I, I think I might start using this since I was borrowing hers all the time, like mm-hmm. back in back in the day. But yeah, it's I mean, no matter no matter what I said in the clip, the mic just played like without a doubt. Uh, you know, the iPads were were way closer to toys two years ago yeah. than, than they are now. Yeah, like, even if you were doing a bunch of writing on them then, like, and I went, I've been through phases of whether they were useful for me pr- from a productivity perspective or not over the last, you know, seven years that iPads have been around. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't in the place with them ever than what I am now, and I think it was the same for you, right, where if somebody asks you what is your primary computer, you say, we would both say iPad. But we weren't in that point then. Yeah, that just wasn't really possible previously no. because of software limitations and because of hardware limitations. And yeah, I think yeah. I think both of us have have come to the conclusion that we think of of our iMacs now as production machines, workstations. Yeah, like yeah, workstations to be set up. Yep. Like with particular tools for particular purposes, and that our iPads have taken over the role as general function computer. Right, yep. like the device that can do a bunch of stuff. That was definitely one of the really interesting things that I noticed by looking over the arc of the show notes. Mm-hmm. Basically, a couple of weeks after we started the show, iOS 9 was released. Well, like, you know, it was previewed at WWDC. Oh, oh wow. Okay, interesting. Hmm. And then that starts everything, right? Because it was iOS 9 that, that enabled people to be able to use iOS more productively on an iPad. And right. then it kind of moves on from there, all the way up to the point where I buy one iPad on a whim and then the second one just because <laughs> yes yes <laughs> you could go from having one iPad under a book to two iPads in constant use <laughs> yep multi-pad lifestyle yeah yeah it's, it's, it's important Richard wrote in to say that on episode four you said there's no point for anyone in the world to have two Apple watches <sighs> Okay, I feel the need to contest uh-huh. this. Like, like, you're probably going to have to play another clip. Because... <laughs> We're going really far in our no clip show. Right, uh, yeah. This, this is not a clip show. But except. Except. Well, uh, I feel it's such a disadvantage because I feel like I'm going to be arguing. Like, I'm arguing without hearing what I said back in the day. Mm-hmm. But I'm, because I am willing to bet that what I was discussing was, the, was in the context of the limitations of the Apple Watch at the time. Because if you remember when the Apple Watch first came out, there was no way to have more than one Apple Watch right, but paired to a phone. You can't make the argument that, like, I said something because I didn't know the future. That's not how this works. <laughs> right? Like, all, that's not how I'm, it works. All I'm saying is, if the context of this is, we say stupid stuff, I think the full context of that quote is not dumb. It's like, oh, given the limitations at the time, it would have been dumb to have two watches. Yeah, but then mine's fine too, because back then the iPad really was really good for video and not much else. I think I, I, think I was making that argument for you earlier. It's this. not that like me and you are categorically stupid. Uh, it's that given what we know now, with hindsight, these things are funny. Mm. That's what this is. I don't know. I feel like... I feel like well, we'll let the listeners decide when they listen to that clip. But I bet there is some context about, given the limitations of mm-hmm. the device at the time... It would be dumb to have more than one watch. Now, it's obviously great to have two watches. Yeah, I guess so. Right? Maybe even three. Mm-hmm. You don't, do you? No, I don't. No, I don't. I don't, no. But it has crossed my mind. Okay. Like, oh, I could imagine a situation where three would be really useful. Why not four, huh? <laughs> well, no, four is crazy. <laughs> There's, There's no, no reason, reason in the world, world for anyone to have, to have four, four Apple watches. Apple watches. 
Episode 75. <laughs> in episode 50. I think my contract ends at episode 74. Just don't, just don't do this to people, you know? <laughs> you have to unpair the watch and like go re-go through a kind of load from backup irritating semi-setup process for switching over the watches. So even if you wanted to be a crazy person who had redundant watches, which I think is a little bizarre... Apple's saying no on this one. They're they're putting down their foot and going, you can't have redundant watches. I don't know if you can start throwing the bizarre tag around. You you do have, like, three iPads in use. Yes, but there are uses for all those iPads. Yeah, but there will be a use for the two watches. One to track your sleep. (laughs) One to go about your day with. Um, Okay, but but even, even even if you could pair two watches, this this whole notion of using the watch to track your sleep as a redundant one that wouldn't it wouldn't work anyway the watch isn't designed for that and i don't think this a sleep tracking with the current state of it would even work overnight anyway so there is no point in the world to having two apple watches there's there's this is a solution for nobody's problem like this this accomplishes nothing whereas uh, you know there are many many cases of of more than one ipad being useful There was also a time when you said no more than 10 episodes. So, you know, now look at you. Yeah. Overworked. Oh. Overworked like a beast of burden. Uh-huh. That's, that's what I am, Mike. Mm-hmm. Just a slave producing content. An endless stream of content. That's my life. Is that, is that what you do? Huh? That's what it feels like. Yeah. That is, that is. That's know. what I feel like. I feel like <laughs> CGP Grey, production of an endless stream of content. It never ends from my yeah. perspective. What if you keep adding things to it? That is true. Yeah, that's 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 what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. You only have yourself to blame. Just like a waterfall of content. This episode of Cortex is brought to you by our friends at Casper, the company focused on sleep. They make the perfect premium mattress and sell it online for a fraction of what it would cost in a store. Casper's award-winning mattress was developed in-house, has a sleek design, and is delivered in an impossibly small box. In addition to the mattress, Casper now also offers an adaptive pillow and soft breathable sheets. An in-house team of engineers spent thousands of hours developing the Casper mattress. It's an obsessively engineered mattress at a shockingly fair price, so it's no surprise they have an average of 4.8 stars across more than 30,000 global reviews online. Their San Francisco research and development team have developed a proprietary foam that relieves pressure and increases airflow. They then combined it with a springy comfort layer to contour to your body and keep you cool. This means Casper mattresses have just the right sink and just the right bounce. Casper makes quality mattresses at great prices and they are designed and developed in America. They have cut the hassle and costs of dealing with showrooms and are passing those savings directly to you, the consumer. One of the things that always surprises me about when I see pictures of people unboxing their mattresses online, their Casper mattresses, or uh, my co-founder Stephen, he made a video of his which you periscoped, of course, is because the Casper mattresses, they come in these tiny boxes. 
And I say tiny, it's not like the size of a shoebox, but it's a size that's way smaller than a mattress should be in. And then when you take it out of the box, you're able to put it on the bed and you cut open its plastic and it unfolds and breathes itself to life. So the reason they do this is so you can actually get the mattresses around and upstairs and in apartment buildings and stuff like that. Makes them so much easier to deal with rather than trying to squeeze them around stairs, pivoting your way up the staircase. Buying a Casper mattress is so easy, it's completely risk-free. They offer free delivery and free returns to the US, Canada, and now the UK as well. With Casper, you can actually get to sleep on their mattress before you make your decision. You try it out for 100 nights and decide that the mattress is what you want to be spending a third of your life on. If you don't love it, they'll pick it up and refund you everything. You can get $50 towards any mattress purchase by going to casper.com cortex and using the code cortex. Terms and conditions are Thank you so much to Casper for their support of this show. One of my favorite things about the follow-up that we get from this show is when people write in to say that something that we've spoken about has made a big impact in their life. And it's Mm, kind of like mm. the reverse of care techs, um, which is a thing that we try and do every now and then. And I continue to encourage people to send things like this into us, like questions, Mm -hmm. you know, where they maybe need some advice from us if they think that we're in a position to be able to help. But the other side of it is when people write in and say how things that we've spoken about on the show have just helped them. Mm -hmm. Um, And I wanted to cover a few of those, as well as just some people that have made some interesting changes to their life having listened to the show. Erebus66 on Reddit wrote in to say of a few things that they have done since listening to Cortex. And I feel like that they, more than anybody, encapsulated the whole run of the show into their life. (laughs) So this person says, Now I listen to thunderstorm sounds throughout my whole day because it occupies the part of my mind that can't stand silence but still lets me think. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, they they, they got it. Except when I'm at the gym when it's girl talks all day. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is quite possibly the best motivational album ever created. Mm, yeah, I don't listen to that at the gym, but that could make for some really good gym music. Oh, it's good at the that. gym. It is good at the gym. You should do that. But then you might start writing accidentally, and then, then who knows what's going to happen. Yeah, no, the, 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 whole, the whole point of this is you have to train your brain for different contexts. So it, it can't be gym music because it's, mm. it's work music. Girl Talk has more than one album. Uh, no, there's only one album that exists, and that is All Day. Interesting. Uh, they go on to say, I've got GTD systems on every device, and my email inbox is always at zero. Now, I'll say they didn't learn that from us, because... <laughs> I was going to say, uh, you're doing way better than me on that yeah, one. Yeah, you've definitely passed us in the in the getting your inbox to zero <laughs> thing. Uh, I now have personal finance trackers that I've built in Excel, because no app would do what I needed. I understand that. I understand yeah, I know. That. They can forecast my spending and savings 12 months into the future. I want these spreadsheets, mm-hmm. personally. Yeah. It sounds like sounds like this person has built an unintentional business. <laughs> you can you can start selling these spreadsheets. <laughs> my smartwatch notifies me when to do my laundry and charge my toothbrush, and even go to sleep because it's in my calendar stored on my ever muted phone. Mm. Since I started listening to Cortex about 18 months ago, I don't feel like I have intentionally changed anything dramatically. I feel more like the things that I have learned and drip-fed into my daily life and routines have just allowed me to be more myself, allowing me to see a future horizon in all the different directions of my life. I like this paragraph because I think Mm -hmm. this sums up me. Mm -hmm. I haven't really tried to make any big changes um, specifically because of the, what I've learned over this show. And later on in the show, I'm going to say what I feel like I have learned and how I have changed. Mm-hmm. But most of the things that I've done, they've just happened because of us talking about this stuff. I don't think there are many things, if any, that I did as like this big experiment 
with maybe the exception of time tracking. Yeah. No, I, I, I totally agree with you. And I, and I like this comment as well. It's funny. I was, I was actually just talking to, talking to my wife about this the other day, about how like, it, it, is, it is rare that there's a big conscious thing that changes your life for the better. Like those, those events happen, but most of your life is about constantly making small little changes over time. And then it's only, only like when you look back, you realize like, oh, I've, I've changed over the past year. I've changed 12 things, each of which has had a positive influence on the way that I live or the way that I work. And, and like that, that kind of that kind of slow, small, even sort of like semi unintentional positive changes uh, like th- those are the things that really make like daily life more frictionless and, and, and like really add up. At home, I am a better, more relaxed and more available person to the people I care about than I was before. At work, I can tell you that I have spent exactly 45 hours, 48 minutes and 37 <laughs> seconds on my current web development project. Mm-hmm. Outside of work, I'm meeting with an app developer tomorrow to start work on a side project. Oh, exciting. Side projects are always exciting. I would love to know, because this person wrote into us a while ago and I've been saving it. Mm-hmm. I would love some follow-up, Erebus 66 how is that side project going? I'd love to know. Anana1642 and Matt have both switched to using the Dvorak keyboard as their primary keyboard. I would say that uh, Anana1642 and Matt, Godspeed to you, but I think that you're both um, very brave for doing this. I'm going to get you to switch to Dvorak, Mike. That's something I'm telling you will not happen. It's going to be really easy, especially when you're using an iPad all the time. That Dvorak is going to be super easy to switch to. That hasn't changed? There's nothing still that can do that for you? No, no. Mm. Apple developers, if you're listening, I'm just, just, I'm just going to throw it out there. Dvorak layout. What about Bluetooth keyboard? Like, do you use a Dvorak Bluetooth keyboard for your iPad? Yeah, l- luckily, that is, that is a setting that has been in there for forever, that when you're using an external keyboard, you can set it to be Dvorak. It, but it's just the annoying thing is, like, I would use the glass keyboard more if i could use that as as a dvorak layout but i just i just can't uh so i always have to type really weirdly and slowly that way uh but yeah those 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 brave souls who have switched to dvorak uh i i wish you the best i I do really like it like it has personally benefited me but I, i i i can't i can't exactly feel like i'm a huge evangelist about this because it is it is like having a lobotomy when you first try to switch. It's it's like you've just lost part of your brain. Yeah, I'm not interested in the switching costs for that one. I'll tell you that for, for free. <laughs> yeah, and, and and there are annoyances forever uh, when you switch to Dvorak. Again, worth it for me. Uh, I've I, I've never had RSI problems in my hands with regards to typing since I made the switch, which you know I did have before. Mm-hmm. Which is again a thing I'll just mention for anybody who's having that. This might be a, this might be a very good reason to switch to Dvorak, and I congratulate those who have come to the Dvorak Master Race. But there are always, are always... You, no, you can't just attach Master Race to anything that sure you, you think can. is better, because no, then you're going to get the PC Master Race on your case. Mm, you know, unluckily for them, they're the inferior race. They just don't know it. Well, I don't know, man. Your iMac frame rate would maybe suggest differently. <laughs> 
I'm, I'm, I'm just haven't gotten the settings right yet. Oh, like, okay. That's, that's good, 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 good. I'm good. still working on that. It is funny to hear you say on your gaming live streams about having a top of the line iMac, and then everybody just laughs at you. <laughs> we can we can come to that later. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, uh, Joshua started his own company. Oh wow, which is kind of incredible. Congratulations to you. Mm-hmm. Um, Alex started using a task manager, sleep tracker, and a time management system. And Rosemary has joined Alex in using time tracking and overhauled their to-do system. I like all this feedback. One thing I think I have found interesting from our more recent shows is how the time tracking sections feel like they're the divisive sections. Yeah. Like people are either mm-hmm. super into the time tracking. Or they just do not like it. <laughs> yeah. Or feel like they're going to die listening to yep. people talk about yep. time tracking. Mm-hmm. Like I find, I find that very interesting yep that that there's there's like uh, of almost any topic i feel like there's no topic that has a, a stronger mm, disagreement yes. in the of audience everything we have done i mean yeah. so like people will fight over um android and ios yeah and yeah. stuff like that but they're not necessarily fighting against us yeah they did over time tracking. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas it's like, I, I, I've definitely been on the receiving end of like, please tell me more of the exact details of your time tracking system. And also for the love of God, never talk about time tracking again. Yeah. It's like, it's like, it's like getting my teeth pulled. I can't stand it. I like guess I, I, there's something about that. I find really, really interesting. And that actually does make me want to evangelize even more the benefits of time tracking to everybody. I feel like, no, like no, you people who are anti-time tracking, you just don't understand how how life-changing and how fantastic this can this can be. It really is. It's changed everything. We're not going to get into it now because we don't want to start the, the divisiveness. <laughs> right? But but like I have to say, you know, I mean, people know we started talking about time tracking a lot in the beginning of the year because I was trying to do this thing of of time tracking lots of hours in the day, and I, and I've got to say, like, I can feel like this is. This is a thing that makes a huge difference. And if, if you are if you are an anti time tracking person, I'm like I'm gonna say it again, like just start small. Like just just track your prime working hours. It's like a little gateway drug to seeing how useful and helpful this is. Alright, I think I've gotta pull the ripcord on this. <laughs> before everyone turns off. No We will come back to time tracking again one day. Yeah. But we will give a lot of notice so people can just skip it if they're not interested. Yeah, but I do just, I find it interesting. So divisive. Uh-huh. I tested Adina, right? Because when we were getting the feedback from people that saying they weren't enjoying it, mm-hmm. I asked her, I was like, what did we talk about in the episode? And she didn't mm-hmm. know. Hmm. <laughs> she couldn't answer when we were talking about time tracking. So I found <laughs> out that she switches off to that too. So <laughs> This time tracking doesn't look like anything to me. Yeah. So, so don't worry, listener. If you were unhappy about our time tracking conversations, people in my own house were as well. So you're not alone. <laughs> I will ask you, though, because there are many people that brought up their productivity management. Um, mm-hmm. Has there been any movement on your productivity management? Are you using any type of to-do app anymore? Or have you just, are you still living like a man on the wind? Is that why you're driving trucks more? Because you don't know what your tasks are. No, no, it's 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 a you know it's a free lifestyle being a trucker on the road. You don't have to keep track of tasks. It's just there's only ever one thing. Just your fuel and uh, and the, the delivery, right? That's all it takes. Yeah, it's like where am I bringing this truck full of Lego to? Oh, I'm bringing it over there. Man, I haven't played truck sim in a while. I'm getting that pull, man. Yeah, yeah, you about miss it. it. You miss it, don't you? I'm gonna go don't back you? to trucking. Yeah, I know you're going to. Um. But but to answer the question, what I what I have been doing is 
uh, I, I was living just totally unhinged for a while. And I have very, very <laughs> the name slowly... name of your comedy special. See, it should be great. Totally unhinged. <laughs> um, I have very slowly been bringing some stuff mindfully back into OmniFocus. So I, I actually cleared out the whole of my OmniFocus database. Wow. Just to start over fresh. Wow. You burned it down, huh? Yeah, I did. I, I did. I totally burned it down because it, w- it was, again, a thing of like, I want to I want to think about how am I going to use this. And I, I still don't have a full system set up in a, in a meaningful way. But I am using OmniFocus to, again, do all the like the templating stuff that we've discussed previously uh, that they can do for a bunch of checklists. So uh, I have returned to using OmniFocus for those checklists. But I'm using it uh, less than I did before. But again, this is an intentional, like slow rethinking of of how do I want to use some of these tools. So there is a system, but not a full system yet. So this is just a selection of the people that wrote in to say that they're using these systems to do management, time tracking, Mm -hmm. sleep tracking, stuff like that. Mm. Not one person wrote in to say about the email habits changing. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that no one wrote in to talk about the email apps that they're using nobody wrote in to talk about like adopting your vip system nobody mm-hmm. we spent so much time on email that should have been the divisive topic but it was not mm. but nobody wrote in to say anything about their email habits i guess it's, i guess it's because people's email they've all got it locked down yeah everybody's everybody's perfectly happy with their email clients everybody's doing great i'm using airmail still by the way in case anybody's keeping score <laughs> I'm back to mail.app. Oh, again? Because Unibox, like it, it updated the week before I mentioned it on the show, and it never updated again. Oh, I think it's, no. I think it's dead. Oh, no. <laughs> it was like... Not another one. <laughs> yeah, it was like mentioning it on the show, like, oh, it was the kiss of death. <laughs> we need to stop talking about things we like. You know that, right? Yeah, we got to keep it secret. Asa was convinced to buy an iPad Pro said that it's basically a monster Reddit email, Netflix, and YouTube device, which I can get behind. You know, I mm-hmm. like to do my work, but I also love to watch YouTube on it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, how else was how else will I watch Grey drive across America on my iPad? That's where I do it. Yeah. So it's big enough you can see the chat. Something like that. Dave says uh, that they refuse to put any apps on the bottom row of his home screen or more than three apps in the dock. Yeah, that's the way to do it. That's the way to do it. <sighs> Really? Yeah, the three apps... I, I don't know why I disagree with this so much, but the three apps in the dock, it looks so nice. It's, it's wasted space. And the empty bottom row, it's for temporary apps. I fill up my entire screen now, Gray. I know you do, and it looks like garbage. The whole thing, the whole thing is full of apps now. <sighs> yeah, if it, if it works for you, that's fine. I have too many things to do. But I... <laughs> you have know? too many things to do, too so you need things. all those apps. Yeah, I need them all there. Where else am I going to put my time tracker? I don't. If it, I don't think that that's not a valid. That's not a valid conclusion. There, you're doing too many. Like it's perfectly valid. You are. You are a podcaster. Mm-hmm. Like I'm a podcaster, educational video producer, live streamer. Hey, hey, I'm a <laughs> I'm a business owner, podcaster, and YouTuber. I have enough. <laughs> All right, I wear those hats. <laughs> I still don't think that justifies all the apps on your phone. But you know, if you like it, that's fine. So I have a secret about you. This is something that I've been holding on to for about 
six months and have not mentioned it. But I think now is the time to address it. Mm-hmm. So you have been a proponent of the iPhone SE, right? That has been something that we've spoken about in the past. You love the little phone. It's the perfect phone and all that nonsense when you moved away from the big phone. Mm-hmm. About six months ago when we were in Ireland together, I spotted you and you knew I saw you using an iPhone 7. Mm-hmm. The regular size iPhone 7. Mm-hmm. You're not, you don't use the iPhone SE anymore, do you, Gray? Uh, we... We can't get into this, Mike. This is like this is like a whole thing. Uh huh. We we can't get into this now. All right. This is we can't we can't do this right now. It's too much. It's too much. Okay. That was the t- we. I wanted to tell. I want our listeners to know. All right. They need to know that you've been living a lie for this time. Is that living a lie? I haven't okay. mentioned anything. You're living a life of omission. <laughs> yeah. That's... <laughs> That's what being a that's what being a public person in the world is. Like, hey, uh-huh. guess what? You don't always mention absolutely everything you do all the time. <laughs> yeah, sure. Well, I mean, we talk about every product under the sun that we buy on this show, but you you neglected to mention this one. Cuz it's it, like it's a whole thing. I don't want I don't want to get into it right now. It's like a big story. Well, I want our listeners to know we're going to get into this. Oh, okay. All right. I want everyone to go to the Reddit <laughs> and and say about how much they want us to discuss this. The fact that you had neglected the SE and have moved to the iPhone 7. Because I think everybody deserves to know why. Yeah, see, Mike doesn't even know what I've done. Mike doesn't even have any idea. And it's going to be tumbleweeds in that Reddit. All I know is that you've done it. And I spotted you. (laughs) And even then, you refused to talk about it. You you think you know. You think you know, but you don't know, Mike. Oh, is it an SE in a big case? We'll talk. Yes, yeah. <laughs> we'll talk about it some other time. We'll talk about it some other time. Right now, I'm enjoying how we've improved people's lives, Mike. Oh yeah, nice. we don't need to get into like a big phone, uh-huh. big phone sign tangent right now. Right. Yeah. Okay. Should we go back to talking about the people? Yeah. Let's go back to talking about the people. Your favorite topic, right? Yeah, my favorite topic. I think things wrote in to say this show has taught me that nobody is born a YouTuber or podcaster. Now, that line is the most beautiful backhanded compliment I've ever received. How is that backhanded? It's like, <laughs> because it's like, uh, these two, they're not very good. They found their own way. They don't have, they don't have natural born talent. <laughs> but see, like, but then it, it, I know it, we've makes, spoken about no, it. But that makes it sound like you believe you were predestined to be a, a, a podcaster, right? Mm-hmm. And you're like... Who's this, who's this person telling me that I was not born to be a podcaster? Hmm. I don't know about that one. I know what they're trying to say, but there's a part of me that's kind of just like, he doesn't have any real talent. <laughs> listen, I think things in the Reddit. I really like that line. I appreciate okay. it. Don't listen to Oh, Mike. I do appreciate it. Hmm. But I also see a different side to it. I'm choosing to believe that they mean it in a good way. Mm-hmm. Before the show, in my head, Gray was just meant to be a YouTuber and you just had the talent of a podcaster. The course of this show helped me to realize that you're just a once bank manager or marketer who spent enough time doing something interesting that you Mm -hmm. became very good at it and well known for it. Gray is just a high school physics teacher who got fed up and wanted to do something completely on his own and just got good at making interesting videos. I don't say this is an insult. There you go. See? 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 But they, they know that it can be, right? 
Uh, I don't say this as an insult. I say that as a realization that all the people and internet celebrities I know are no different than me, except that they tried something and succeeded. And now I'm trying something too and striving for success. So thanks. Yeah, that's that, that's fantastic. I was making fun. I was making fun. <laughs> oh, don't get all sensitive now, Mike. Oh, come, well, you make me out to be a bad person. <laughs> I can't, I can't allow that. <laughs> you left yourself open. <laughs> I know I did. I know I did. That was a bad move. I made a misstep. That's it. That is, I mean, it is a good point because I, I think it's something that me and you have tried to to talk about a lot. And there's a couple of strands to it. You know, like we talk about the fact that people have talent. I mean, there are people that have differing skills and some people mm-hmm. are better at some things than others. But really, you can get by in a lot of ways by just really trying hard and, and working at something, you know. And because, you know, I don't know if necessarily me or you have any real talents that, that make us good at what we do, except we put in a lot of time and work to try and get to the places that we're at. Like, I, I really like this because, you know, I, me- I mentioned before, back when I was just a physics teacher, like, like I was always trying to encourage the, the, the kids who were like interested in doing a thing that you could just start in life, like just like just get started. Like that's. It is at the same time like the most useless advice you can possibly give someone and the most true advice that you can possibly give someone, right? There's like, just if you want to try to do a thing, like just try to do the thing, you know, you, you don't you don't need certification or predestination from from somebody else. Like you can just you can just give it a go and 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 try and repeat and iterate and see what works and see what doesn't work and try to follow the paths that seem like they're more promising than the paths that are less promising. And yeah, like that, that is the big difference. Like the difference between someone who tries anything at all and doesn't try anything is, it's just like infinite. Like, so, so just, just give it a shot. It's good advice, but it's such annoying advice. It really right. is. I, yeah, like I know how it. I know how it feels to yep. hear that from people. It's like the same one as when someone says, how do I grow my YouTube channel or podcast? And the answer is keep making great things. Yeah, right. right? It's, it, it's, yeah. It is good advice, but the worst advice. Yeah, it, or or it's like Nike telling you that with regards to exercise, just do it. Right? And like, <laughs> go f*** yourself, Nike. <laughs> right? Like that's like you that's do I, it. <laughs> yeah. Like I know I know how that feels, right? Yeah. But then at the, at the same time, it's like, well, I guess they're not wrong about like you know going for a run. I guess I just have to do it, right? But yeah, like, no one I don't want to hear it that. for me, right? Like I've got to do. Yeah, it. exactly. But it, yeah, it doesn't help that they're t- still telling you to just do it. Yeah, and 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 it is it is strange to be in the situation where. I remember being on the other side of that. Like I remember being the student and hearing other people say this kind of thing. And so then it's, it's weird being on the opposite side of being like, no, but for realsies, yeah. <laughs> like you really just, you really just have to register a YouTube account and just try. Mm-hmm. But, but that is the truth. Like I still have like really strong feelings, like emotional feelings and memories to like, when I was trying to make something of myself and I would see people like overtake me. Mm-hmm. And it was like, why do they get to, you mm-hmm. know? And you know, where at the point where I feel like I was good enough, and I felt like people with equal skill to me were having more success, and it, mm-hmm. and it was I remember feeling like, why is this happening? You know, I remember all of that stuff. There's like a conversation that goes around all the time about like how much of success is the result of like hard work, and how mm-hmm. much of it is luck, right? And this is like a conversation that happens all the time, and. You know, people will say like, "Oh, it's it's 
it's all luck, right? Or it's all hard work. And it's, it's, it's obviously some combination of the two. Yeah. And I think you can drive yourself crazy because you can see situations like, like what you're just describing there, where you, Mike, are, are trying to get started. And you can see people who you think have the same level of skill as you surpassing you. And at, at a certain level, like, yeah, how successful someone is does largely come down to a question of luck. Like, it, it definitely does. But regardless of that, you have to work to put yourself into a position where you can be exposed to lucky situations. Yep. Right. And so when, when someone says like, oh, it's all it's all just luck. Right. If, if people do well in the world or, or not, it's like, well. Nobody gets lucky by sitting on a couch all day doing nothing, mm-hmm. right? Like, like that happened to nobody. Even the people you suspect may have done very little to get their success. It's like they've done more than you think. Uh, and so like you, you, th- that's why the, you have to just make a YouTube channel or you have to just start with a podcast or you have to just start your project on the side, whatever it is. That, that's why that is the most important thing because it puts you in a position to potentially be lucky. And and that's the big difference. Like that that is what can make all of the difference. Yep. And even if luck is what gets you there, it's hard work that keeps you there, right? Like you can be lucky. Like and it kind of goes around, right? Like hard work gets you to the place that you need to be to be lucky. But then you can't mm-hmm. just ride the luck. You then, in some ways, have to work harder because you, you're in a place now. Yeah, you have to do maintenance on it as well. Like it's it's a it's a little feedback cycle. Mm-hmm. But I. I get I get bothered by it sometimes because when I see people say like oh success is entirely dependent on luck it's like well that sounds like a great excuse to do nothing is what that sounds yeah. like yeah. right like that's kind of, that's kind of what you're telling yourself like oh well if I sit here and never start any side projects maybe I'll just be lucky like Steve Jobs it's like mm, I don't think it's gonna happen <laughs> right that's not the way this works was he lucky I don't know yeah he was. Paradosant wrote in with some brief thoughts on how Cortex has changed their life. I found the show in the late summer of 2015 when I was drowning in work because one-fifth of our department was out on maternity leave and I was picking up a lot of the slack. It was too much and I was too unorganized and then to compound matters, some RSI problems were occurring. I think that I'd already jumped to a Mac and I was certainly on an iPhone at this point, but I wasn't all in on Apple and I wasn't really thinking about workflow and productivity in the terms that Gray and Mike presented it. I then bought my first iPad, bought another iPhone, bought a pen tablet, Macs at home as well as work, much more careful and thoughtful use of email, calendaring, rules, iOS, notes, task lists, Wunderlist, workflow, the whole nine yards. Cortex helped me get organized during a difficult time and set habits that have served me well ever since and made the transition to a new job much easier. Oh, congratulations. I guess it's someone who maybe used some of our email knowledge. <laughs> Did they mention email in there? I don't even. I don't even think they did, Mike. Thoughtful use of email. <laughs> okay. All right. There you go. <laughs> you have something to hang your hat on. This does remind me about RSI stuff. The Wacom tablet has become so indispensable for me over time. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't imagine using a desktop computer without it now. <laughs> yeah. See, that's it's, it's one of those things. Like once you start using it. As as your main input device, you feel like, how did I ever use a computer before this? Yeah, it really is awesome. I recommend people try it out. And remember, set the settings to pen mode. It's very mm-hmm. important that you do that. The one-to-one mapping of the screen to the tablet is very important. Yeah, You're not going to like it at first, but trust us, it's yep. the way to go. It's the only way to go. Um, I do continue to really like the combo of the Wacom and the Magic Trackpad. 
Mm-hmm. Like that really works for me. So I, I kind of operate a Mac with two hands. You've got to make a video of that for your vlog one day so you can actually just show people what you're talking about. Yeah, it is. This is this reminds me of when people ask me to make uh, like a, a video about making a show, like recording, like everything that goes into making a podcast. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't think you know how boring that would be to watch. And that falls squarely in that that pocket, I think. No, but Mike, you're you're a vlogger now. You have to use you use tricks like you have some exciting music. You do a bunch of rapid cuts, fireworks. Yeah, and you make assembling a podcast look like it's an exciting event as, as opposed to just hours mm. of silence. I guess that's the challenge, right? I, how can I do that? How can I make yeah. it look like my work is really interesting every moment? Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah that's what that's what you're doing. You're painting a picture of your life, which is not accurate at all. I don't know when I'm going to do this, but I accept the challenge. <laughs> It will, I, will, I will make it work. It will be like 25 seconds long. That's how I do it. Bunch of whiz bang. Today's episode of Cortex is brought to you by Blue Apron, the number one recipe delivery service that has the freshest ingredients. For less than $10 a meal, Blue Apron will deliver you seasonal recipes with fresh, high-quality ingredients that come with these awesome step-by-step, easy-to-follow recipe cards to help you make delicious home-cooked meals. All of Blue Apron's ingredients are pre-portioned, so you'll be able to get everything you need, nothing more, nothing less. No awkward trips to the grocery store to pick up that one thing that you forgot, and you won't end up with a bunch of food in your cupboard that you're never going to eat because with Blue Apron you get just what you need and not only do you get that you're also getting the best ingredients Blue Apron seafood is sourced sustainably understand as developed in partnership with the Monterey Bay Aquarium Seafood Watch their beef, chicken and pork come from responsibly raised animals and their produce is sourced from farms that practice regenerative farming when you cook with Blue Apron you're going to learn new skills that you'll be able to apply to your culinary delights you may cook on your own. You can recook some meals because you get the recipe cards if you want to. But anything you cook at home, you're going to be learning new skills with your Blue Apron meals that you can apply elsewhere, which is great. Blue Apron food is awesome. They have incredible recipes. Food like baked spinach and egg flatbread with sautéed asparagus and lemon aioli. Three cheese and baby broccoli stromboli with tomato and oregano dipping sauce. Or maybe even beef teriyaki stir-fry with sugar snap peas and lime rice. Boy, they sound great. You can choose from a variety of new recipes every week, including any of those, or let Blue Apron's culinary team surprise you. They deliver to 99% of the continental US. There's no weekly commitment, so you get those deliveries when you want them, and their freshness guarantee means that every ingredient arrives ready to cook or they'll make it right. Check out this week's menu and get three meals for free with your first purchase, including free shipping, by going to blueapron.com cortex. You'll love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron, so go to blueapron.com cortex and we thank them for their support of this show and Relay FM, Blue Apron, a better way to cook. John created some artwork to show off how the show has changed things for him. And I have included a link in our show notes for this week's episode so you can go and and look at the artwork. I like this. I would say that the one thing that's changed uh, for John, if not before, is is just general look is a lot like me, you know, bearded (laughs) and glasses. So bravo on that one to start with. Yeah, you're always trying to infect people with your beards. Some things that have changed for John. Checklists are in there. We can see checklists. Uh, reviews, so like performing reviews, which I know is is a big thing for you. You still on seasonal? Yeah, I still like seasonal. Seasonal, okay. Being packed up for a trip in advance, something that we both believe in quite strongly. Redundant mm. bags and all that. 
Uh, another person listening to Girl Talk, although they're pl- they're not listening to All Day by the looks of the artwork. It's one of the other ones. No. One of the no. other albums, one of the ones you don't believe in. Uh, and using an iPad Pro and Apple Pencil. Fantastic computer. Oh, and I see uh, one roll of toilet paper means I really have zero rolls of toilet paper. <laughs> it's, it's tucked away in the corner over there. <laughs> it's, it's a very important life lesson. Very, very important life lesson. <laughs> there are a couple of people that wrote in with some of just their favorite things that have happened in the show. Mm-hmm. Um, Brent reminded me of the story when you bought the first iPad Pro in London. Oh, God. That's so good. I don't like to think about that. That's that's such, that's such a good episode. I'll put the link to that episode oh. in the show notes. It's so funny when you were just like having the most un-CGP Grey experience of your life. Yeah. yeah. It was great. All of the interaction. So close to meeting Tim Cook. I'm, I'm glad everybody enjoyed that. But mostly for me, it felt like, why has God made my life so hard? You deserve it. <laughs> now, this is a name that, like, if I say this name, I'm going to be performing the cardinal sin of triggering Amazon Echoes. Mm-hmm. So That's I can't fine. say it. You're too sensitive about this, Mike. All right. Here we go, then. Sorry, everyone. You can just say Alexa. Oh, no, don't do that. You can't throw them in there. No, you can. No, yeah. you can't throw them in there like that. Yeah. You say, Alexa, subscribe me to CGP Grey, right? <laughs> and then that's that's how that works. <laughs> okay. Alexa says, oh, no, mine is not gone off. It was making yeah. a flashing light. It thought it was going to get me, but it didn't get me. Uh, they now have backups Closing for everything. Light. And two is one, one is none. People still say that to me all the time, you know. It's, 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 a, catchy, it's a catchy phrase, right? It is. It is. You created that phrase, right? No, that's not, that's not right. That's not, right <laughs> that's at not all. how that works? No. Okay. I, I'm, I'm the popularizer of the phrase. Right. <laughs> it's... it's I still can't remember what the feedback was, but was it, a, it like my impression was it was originally a military phrase, but maybe yeah. it came from somewhere else. I think it's a military phrase. But maybe it's, you know, like you go back to the Pharaoh's tomb in Egypt and they're like, oh, one pyramid is okay, but two pyramids is better. Like, you know, it might just, it might have been like a very old phrase. Yeah, that that happens. Like there's things where they're like, oh, Shakespeare wrote an emoji, right? Like yeah. those types of things. It's, you know, yeah. they, they come back to get you. But I do think about that quite a lot. Two is one, one is none. That made a big impact impact on my life. It's important. Why don't we talk about what we have learned from the show? What have you learned from Cortex, Mike? I think one of the biggest changes in my life, as I alluded to earlier, is the multi-pad lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Being a person who not only uses the iPad primarily, but multiple. I know many people that use the iPad. Not many people understand multi-pad. I feel like we're a persecuted bunch. We are. A persecuted, misunderstood Mm -hmm. group. Right, that that's the multi iPad lifestyle people. I've I've kind of settled into how I use mine more now. Mm-hmm. Um, I tend to use the large iPad Pro at home and the smaller iPad Pro when I'm out of the home. Hmm, interesting. Hmm. I I find the smaller iPad Pro is easier to travel with, right? Because it's smaller, and I use the Logitech Create keyboard case, which is a vastly superior keyboard case to Apple's. Mm. Um, but on the big iPad Pro, it's just too big and heavy. Like, it's just not very nice to use. So even though I keep that large iPad Pro at home, I just don't like the case on the big iPad Pro. It just it, it kind of ruins it for me a bit, to be honest. Mm. Uh, but on the smaller one, it's perfect. It has backlit keys and everything, and I, and I really, really like it for that. Yeah, I just I just think that's funny because that's the exact opposite of what I do. Like, my yeah. smaller iPad is the home one, and the bigger one is the go-outside one. Interesting. 
And I actually just had, you know, again, one of these one of these days where it feels like, oh, this is this is a really nice use of technology where uh, I just I just went out intentionally just for the morning. And I only brought like I didn't bring my backpack. I didn't bring anything. I just grabbed the iPad Pro and like walked through the park and then sat at a cafe and did some work. And I ended up just spending the whole day out doing work at, at various locations and this is one of these times where it just felt really nice. It was like, oh, I have this clipboard-sized thing that is a functional, general-purpose computer, mm-hmm. and I can—I feel like I can just grab it and just go out and and be relatively unencumbered and and not have to have anything else. And it's it's really nice to work that way. It, it really is. There is one thing that that might kind of help dictate that my choice here. Mm-hmm. Which is that my smaller iPad is the one that has an LTE connection. Ah, okay. Well, yeah, that's going to make a difference. So that that is another reason why I use that one for travel more than mm-hmm. than the big one. You know, if we ever get the iPad that we want, the ten inch one that kind of sits between the middle of them, I wonder if and how things might change for us. Because you know that's a small iPad of, with many of the benefits of the big one. So says the rumors, but I don't think Apple's ever making new products, so it's not a problem. <laughs> Um, time tracking and deciding hourly rates has been a mm-hmm. big thing for me. Um, mm-hmm. Not so much a big thing for all of our listeners. But I told you a couple of weeks ago that, that whilst I have not done anything as scientific as you, mm-hmm. I have sat down and, and worked out from a basic perspective what I earn from the work that I do hour by hour. I'm not going to lie. I feel like this is a major accomplishment on my part because yep. I have been bullying you about this. Yep. Since before we started Cortex, right? Like since probably since the first time I met you and to like, oh, you've mm-hmm. got to do this. You've got to work out what your hourly rate is. <laughs> it informed a couple of small changes for me. Mm-hmm. Um, small as in not huge things, but they've make, they're making a big impact. Mm-hmm. It's just getting myself some time back for stuff that I was making barely no money for. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I was very interested that like most of my recording falls within a range, like all of the shows that I do. Mm-hmm. fall within a range which I'm happy with um, I didn't really have many really big outliers uh, but I, I plan to revisit this more scientifically at some point in the future but I just mm-hmm. wanted to sit down one day I had some spare time and just like pull up a couple of episodes pull out a pen and paper and just, just scribble some numbers down um, and I was pleased by what I found honestly one of the reasons that I've avoided doing this is I thought it was going to expose some horrific truths <laughs> Yeah, you you were expecting to be made very sad. Yeah, but it turns out that it's it's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. Maybe if I do some real scientific tracking, I will learn something different. Mm-hmm. But just my back of the envelope math was good. Yeah, but that's all, that's all anybody needs, right? Yep. It's just just a back of the envelope calculation, just just to give you some vague boundary to think about. Mm-hmm. Right? I know, and again, I think everybody imagines. That I'm, I'm like calculating this down to the second and to the penny, but it's like you don't need it that precise, right? You, you just need like a one significant figure number, right? To just to have as as a ballpark for when you're thinking about making decisions. A lot of the stuff that I've learned and a lot of stuff that I've I've moved with is stuff that we've kind of come to a decision together, or we've worked on something in a way that we're moving together towards something. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think a lot of the iPad stuff is that way. I think the thing that has made the biggest impact on my life is something that you have taught me which is that work should be able to happen without you. And this has made the single biggest impact on my life over the last two years. And that comes in sometimes in the sense of automation, which is fine, and that's that's great. 
But the mm-hmm. biggest one is hiring someone and having somebody who helps you, having an assistant. Mm-hmm. It hasn't been very long that I've had an assistant. It's maybe a couple of months, if that. Mm-hmm. But the change this has made in my life, I cannot even begin to describe to you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, you, don't, you don't have to describe because I understand. Like, I, I completely understand. It's massive. It's mm-hmm. just massive. The amount of hours that I'm saving, they're not like... 50 hours a week, mm-hmm. right? I'm saving a handful of hours at the moment and it's increasing over time as we're learning which and, and what things will be given to my assistant. Mm-hmm. But it's just what it's doing for my general mental state mm-hmm. is fantastic. It's so good. I, I'm, I'm so happy to hear this. And I also just want to take this moment to to stress that this is this is connected to the previous thing about having an idea, like a ballpark idea mm-hmm. about what your time is worth per hour, because this is like having someone to help you with anything. You you don't have to be running like a gigantic YouTube channel or a podcasting empire in order to be able to do this. Like if if you just know what your time is worth, the only question then becomes like, are there people who can help you with things? for less than that many dollars per hour and if the answer is yes then you might want to consider this and i think i think i've told you i don't remember if i've actually told you this or or not but like i when when i was a teacher i came very very close to shipping my students homework to india to have it marked to have it (laughs) shipped back no you not told me this yeah okay so i i like i came very very close to doing it in the end i decided not to not because it wasn't a brilliant idea and and my roi calculation said that this totally made sense in terms of like how much would it cost me how long could it take to get it overnighted to india like to have it returned right and like i was i was trying to think about all of this these kind of things like how to make this work and i was like i had it i had it all like ready to go but then i I, but then i realized like i will be fired immediately like if anybody finds out that i have done this right this is you'd never be able to get a job again in teaching you'd be done yeah that was the reason i was like you know what this is too far uh it's like i i have lots of little tricks as a teacher that i'm using to save time but this but this is one where it's like there's there's a downside which is essentially like an insta kill downside mm-hmm. and and i was saying like man if some like if some truck in india turns over and all the homework is lost like i'm like oh great now i'm in real trouble uh so i didn't actually do it but it didn't change the fact that like when i was a teacher i did have some small stuff that i was i was outsourcing right through overseas outsourcing companies like to just have people help me with stuff right and it was like it's super cheap and it like it worked in my favor and and so like this is this is not just like you're running a successful podcasting company this is what this is why like i think it's really important to know how much is your time worth so that you can think about having somebody help you or even just like this is how this is how specialization in the economy works like is is there just a service that can be provided that will take less time to do this than you would take to do it like maybe that's worth doing it's just it's a like it's such an important way to think about stuff but like i i do have to agree with you mike like it when you when you start doing this again it's, it's just like the hiring thing you know we say like oh you you always hire too late if, if you're a, if you're a business i think it's a similar thing of like getting someone to help you everybody does this too late and when you do it it makes such a such an enormous cognitive difference 
even if it isn't saving you huge numbers of hours. I just know that there are things that I don't really enjoy doing. Mm-hmm. That somebody else might. Mm-hmm. And that's the experience that I've had so far. Mm-hmm. And it's wonderful. <laughs> and the reason that I don't enjoy some of these things is I've done them for nearly three years every week. Mm-hmm. And they were fun initially. But after a while, the fun wears off some of these tasks. And now I don't need to do it anymore. Or like there were things that I was doing because nobody else would or could, but they're not my skill set. And it's somebody else's skill set. Yeah. And there's also a way in which sometimes it's it's easier for somebody else to do a thing because they don't have like an emotional baggage attached to whatever mm-hmm. the task is. Like in, and this this is also an interesting phenomenon of trying to get people to help you is, is you realize like, oh, for this other person this task is way easier and way faster to do than if it is for me to do because for them, it's just a task. But for me, it's something that's like, like comes with emotional baggage. Or like, oh, been, soul, man. Yeah. Or like, or I've been doing this for so long or like, oh, this is a thing that I just don't want to think about. And for the other person, like it has none of those connotations. Yeah. A lot of this stuff gets done faster because I was putting it off. Yeah. Yeah. That, 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 that has been my experience is there's a whole category of things that, it's not like I couldn't do them, but if I had to be the person who would do it, I just know they would never happen. And and it, so that makes a huge difference. I've learned that there will never be a perfect email app. <laughs> no, Mike, you got to hold out hope. No, right? I've given up. No, I, st- I still have hope. No, I still I've have given hope. up. I've given up, Gray. There will never oh. be a perfect email app. Because any email app that seems like it's going to be amazing, either nobody wants to buy it or somebody buys it and shuts it down. <laughs> it's like, I guess you're right. There's two outcomes. Yeah. It, gets, it gets bought or it doesn't get bought, and both of them end in misery. Yeah. There's no good... There's just no good solution for email. And the one that I've settled on is fine. But every now and then, I send an email and the app crashes. And I don't know it's crashed. And emails never sent, you know? Yeah. So, like, I now have a new habit of checking that emails are sent, which is Great, yeah. so annoying to have to do that. But this app does, like, 90% of the other things that I need it to do, but, like, the 10% that it doesn't do or does badly, it does really badly. So there's never going to be a perfect email app. There just won't be. <laughs> and I've come to, I've just come to accept it. I'm not upset about it anymore. I'm not angry. I'm in the acceptance stage. I'm still going to hold out hope. But it might be irrational hope. I've learned that making YouTube videos is interesting. Yeah, you're still enjoying that? I am. Good. My my kind of feeling towards like how often I make videos and why has changed, right? Mm-hmm. As as kind of the initial excitement has worn off, like I've realized that I would very quickly have just started making very, very boring videos if I kept up with the pace that I was keeping up with. So like I've kind of settled into to doing them the way that I want to when I want to. And, and kind of I think I'm trying to do one a month. I've been a bit late because of my travel, but I'm currently making like a really big travel vlog, mm-hmm. which might be out kind of around the time that this episode goes out because I've basically been traveling for the entire month of April. So I'm making one big vlog for that. And I have some ideas for some other videos that I want to do that are based at home as well as traveling stuff. But I... I still feel like I'm really playing around with this and trying to work out what it is for me. So kind of not putting all of my time into thinking of this stuff is, is turned out to be the right thing for me, honestly. Oh, good. Well, I, you know, I, I enjoy your vlogs. You Thank know, you. I, I like it when they come out. Mm-hmm. It's, it's interesting to see. And, and I've said it's interesting to see them change over time. 
Mm-hmm. And like, I also find it just interesting. It's like, oh, I, you're a person I know starting down uh, like this path and seeing things change over time. Whereas in any of the other vloggers or YouTube people that I watch, it feels like they have just always existed. Like they've always just been around. And so it's, yeah. it's interesting to see you begin this from the ground up. Yeah, I, I've gotten that t- a comment of that kind from, from a bunch of people on YouTube. You hmm. know, just saying that they can see a progression. Mm-hmm. And usually you don't. Yeah. Right? Usually you see someone when they're established. Yeah. That's been interesting for me. And it's also been one of the reasons that I'm being a little bit more considerate about what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Because there are people there whilst I'm still trying to work out what the hell's going on. <laughs> Um, I, I've taken a more CGP Grey approach to my YouTube schedule than a Mike Hurley approach to it, honestly. Disappointing. You know, the most the most important thing uh-huh. with YouTube channels is having a regular schedule. And it just, it seems like that But that's what the right game streaming, right? It's every day. No. Was it every day 8 o'clock or something? That's your no, schedule? That's I think not, that's no, what that's it is. that's not how that works. No, there's every no, there's every no day. Don't try to turn this around, Mike. Every day, 8 p.m., CGP Play. Get no, your streams ha- on. Like, haven't, you, haven't you read the... Uh, the YouTube guide to making great content on YouTube and like number one thing is a schedule every 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 week it's gonna be a new Mike Hurley episode you gotta train the audience so that they know to tune in at 7 p.m. I'll tell you what we'll 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 get on it together and we'll we'll cross promote right every week we'll both be there 7 p.m. Eastern time no it's not gonna happen go to CGP play and you'll get your streams and you're really trying Mike to push Hurley this. and get your you're trying to push this vlogs that's what people can look out for yeah. there might never be a stream again i don't know why you're trying to push this you bought software there's going to be a stream again like, like I, that, that tells you nothing tells you nothing roi my friend roi i think overall as well one of the things that cortex has done for me is to allow me to enjoy my work more because i am more considerate about new projects i'm more considerate about how i weigh up my time and i've decided and learned to put focus in the things that i like doing and optimize my way out with the things that i don't mm-hmm. what about you me mike uh-huh. <laughs> well come on it, don't be this well don't play it like that no 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 well, like so like here's the interesting thing i saw this in the show notes uh when i was looking at this like, a couple hours ago tried to get ready for the show and I was I was trying to think about things, and I was like, hmm, okay, what what have I learned from the show? And I wrote down my, like the first bullet point, the thing that popped into my head was like, oh, I've learned about web APIs, right? Which, without the show, I would never. I think I never would have gone down the kind of path to think about that as much and recognize this as a kind of important programmer's tool that that's useful to have. But then, like, I was like, okay, well, that's one thing. But but I feel like, okay, so I can name something in particular. But in one way, I don't think that's super interesting because what I feel like I have learned is that this show is not a productivity show at all. Uh-oh. That's not really what this is, Mike. I think it's the thing that that we touched upon a few episodes ago, this idea of like an ongoing conversation about working and stuff in our lives right like shows always have to kind of like find what they are and i think that's what this show is like in a very funny way i was thinking about it earlier today and i was realizing like oh this show has become what in retrospect seems very obvious which is it is an extension of 
our lunches that we used to meet up for yeah. in London before we were doing the show. Mm-hmm. Right. Which thinking back upon it, it's like, oh, right, of course. We're, we're doing sort of exactly what we used to do, except just over lunch. But now we're doing we're doing it with an audience present and with an audience that is interactive in some way, mm-hmm. giving us feedback and, and that we're talking to. It kind of makes sense because it was the conversations we were having over those lunches, which was what made me think that it could be interesting for us to have a show together, right? Yeah, that, that's, that's, why, that's why you started to pursue me mm-hmm. as intensely as you did. Yep. To lock me down into this contract. Long-term deal. Very long-term deal. But what I think is interesting about that is it's like, it's just going back to what it was saying before and going back to all of this feedback from people about the 50th episode, that a thing doesn't need to be explicitly about productivity in order to be helpful. It just means like the, for the listeners and for us is like we're, we're coming together and we're sort of discussing in general ways our working lives. Sometimes it's in very specific detail. Sometimes it's broad overview. Sometimes we're just sort of goofing off and it's like vaguely related to work, but not really. But what matters is this conversation that loops back upon itself. And so it's very hard for me to say like, what have I specifically learned from the show? I have a hard time coming up with the exact bullet points, but I know without any doubt that because of this show, I have been much more mindful of my work in a whole bunch of ways over the past two years than I would have been without it. And I hope that for listeners of the show, they have that same experience. That if, if we're talking about time tracking and you find that that is totally irrelevant to your life, the detail of that doesn't matter so much as if you're listening to the show on a regular basis, it is a reminder for, for you to be mindful of the way that you work as well. So I, I feel like it's, it's almost like a meta lesson here that the, a thing doesn't need to be about productivity to be in some sense productive. And, and that's, that's what this is. Like you and I, we're kind of having lunches together again, but with a larger group of people. That's what this show is. Getting me all emotional over here. Don't cry, Mike. I'll try not to. Okay. Because that'd be really embarrassing. We'd have to cut that. Happy 50th, everybody. Happy 50th, everybody. This episode of Cortex is brought to you by Hover. When you have a great idea for that next website that you want to build for your new company, your new idea, your new side project, Hover is the place that you need to go to first. And I vouch for this. I have gone to Hover first for all of my projects because they have a really great interface to allow you to search for domains. It's so easy to see what's available and what isn't. If somebody owns a domain already and is selling it, they have an auction interface as well, so you can try and buy it from them. And they have all of the domain extensions that you're used to, all of the classics and all of those new kind of interesting ones too as well. Hover offer who is privacy for free with all of their supported domains, which is so important to me. I don't want my email address, phone number and home address available for people to find on the internet. I just don't want that. And with all of the domains that support it, Hover include who is privacy for free. 
Something else that I don't want is to have to be clicking and unclicking a bunch of boxes and spending 35 minutes when I want to get that domain name. All I want to do is buy the domain, integrate it with the service that I want, and get working on that idea. With Hover, you only have a few pages to go through. You're not spending your entire afternoon making sure that you've got only what you need and what you want. And then also with Hover Connect, it's so easy to integrate that domain name with most popular website builders and services. In just a few clicks, you'll have things up and running. No more digging through help articles. Hover have amazing support and they're there to help you if you need it. They are a truly fantastic company that I cannot recommend enough. If you're buying a domain, Hover should be your first port of call. Find the perfect domain name for your idea. Go to hover.com slash cortex and you'll get 10% of your first purchase. Once again, that's hover.com slash cortex to find out more and get 10% off your first purchase. Hover, domain names for your ideas. Thank you so much to Hover for their support of this show and Relay FM. Before we wrap up today... I want to I want to address our poor last episode. That poor little episode. It didn't do nothing wrong. To be fair, that was entirely my fault. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, these things. Um we spent a lot of time on the last episode talking about how that we were unhappy at, at the rate at which Apple was producing new products. Mhm. I think like maybe a couple of days after that episode went out um, Apple went on record about the fact that they're working on a new Mac Pro and, and they kind of broke from tradition to actually explicitly address a product that they had in the works. So this all came out during the time between the episode being recorded and being released. What this did allow me to do was go in and cut out the moments where we explicitly said they should just tell us they're working on a new Mac Pro. So I did get to do that at least. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, this is one of those times where this doesn't happen very often for us, but where something may change in between recording and release. Mm -hmm. So it did make me want to just address this with you a little bit. To catch everybody up, Apple had a, a journal, have a bunch of journalists come to them to see them at their offices. And they went through, through a few things and they kind of accepted blame as much as they would. That, mm. the, that the Mac Pro that is currently for sale is not good and that they designed the way that they designed it was, was suboptimal to the point where they couldn't update it in a way that people needed and that they're working on a new Mac Pro and they have really powerful iMacs coming later this year and, and we're probably going to see this new Mac Pro maybe next year. They didn't really give a time frame on it, but basically said not this year. Yeah, it's, it's interesting phrasing. Yeah. Because it's, I mean, from everything that, that we've seen and everything that I've heard, um, this change that, that Apple actually working on a new Mac Pro has, was very recent to them bringing those journalists in. Mm -hmm. um, and they basically were like, right, now we decided to do this. We need to curb the current rhetoric that we, we don't care about professional users anymore. Mm -hmm. So I wonder, you were definitely harsher than me, Um in, in your feelings about this. Like, I, I kind of said on the episode, I just want to see some kind of torch from them and I'll believe that they actually do care. Mm -hmm. And you were basically like, no, I need multiple years of proof. Mm -hmm. So I wonder if this has changed your feelings at all about the way that you feel Apple is treating you as a professional user of its products. Well, on the one hand, I think this is... It's really funny because this is the kind of thing that I never really thought Apple would ever do. Well, no, this this completely bucks all trends, you yeah. know. We, I think I brought this up on the last episode that Apple is a, a company of traditions and schedules mm -hmm. and they're not anymore. Mm -hmm. And so they're breaking a lot of what we know them to be. 
And this mm-hmm. is one another example of that where Apple never talks about future products. And yeah. now they have. To the point like so early they don't even have anything to show. If they ever yeah. talk about a future product, it's ready to show you, but it's just not shipping yet. This is yeah. like we haven't even got design for this thing, but we can tell you we're doing it. Yeah, yeah. It, it's so early that the impression that I get is it's like, we actually just have a whiteboard somewhere where we, we decided that this was a thing that we were going to do. There's right? a Trello board. We know that much. <laughs> yeah. Uh, outside of that, we have nothing. <laughs> that, that's what it feels like, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's like, has a physical thing happened anywhere in the world? I suspect maybe not, uh, right? But um, But it's also a thing that in in retrospect i was thinking about is i think it's a really sensible decision because they're talking about a future product for such a relatively small portion of their overall user base yeah that that, what does it matter right it doesn't because those people were buying it no matter what right exactly the reason apple keeps their secrecy is so they can have their big reveals of their products where the whole message is controlled yeah but with something like this the market is so small and that market's buying it no matter what it is because they need it. Yeah. And and so you like it, it's just interesting to think about like oh it never occurred to me but yeah for particularly the Mac Pro subsection of the market like why not just give them a release schedule? Right? Why not just just say here's our here's our whole roadmap for this project and it hurts them not at all really. Like there's there's no way it's going to be some big seller if they have an amazing surprise. Like it, it doesn't affect anything. Uh, whereas for the iPhone and and the iPad, you can see that it makes sense that Apple wants to have some some sort of drama around the release events. So I would say, like, I thought, like, oh, this this is good. I I would hope that maybe it's not just a one time thing. Like, oh God, we effed up so bad this time. We really have to go on record. Like, yeah, m- maybe this is a thing that you guys can just do with this narrow section of the Pro line mm-hmm. and and save yourself a whole lot of grumbling from the peanut gallery yeah Yeah. and and so i think that's that's a totally fine thing all that said Uh (laughs) uh-oh it it doesn't you have not pleased me (laughs) right yeah i am i'm still i'm still sitting here upon my throne of judgment uh unmoved because this is still just words you know reading over the transcript it it feels a bit like we decided last tuesday we got to change direction and I I still stand by the th- everything I said in the last episode, which is, you know, e- even if Apple releases everything I could possibly hope for in my heart of hearts this year, I'm still not going to feel good about it until I see that there are regular updates. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's really funny actually. You know, we're just talking about when when we started this show was just before iOS nine which was the operating system that really kicked off everything being pro. And it's like, oh, wait a minute. I, I like When I try to think like, oh, how long have I been doing this show? The answer is, oh, it just feels like I've been doing it forever. It's like, oh, yes. And that's how long I've been using the terrible multitasker switcher on iOS as well, <laughs> right? It's for the entire length of this show. I feel like an implicit part of software is the promise of iteration. And... And like, and that's what I want to see, and that's what will make me feel better. Because even if I get an amazing, gigantic iPad Pro, and the new operating system has a dark mode and has everything I could possibly want, 
and you can do multi-multitasking of multitasking inside of your multitasking. Even if it has all of that, I'm going to be sitting there with the feeling of like, okay, but do I have to expect that the way it works today is the way I'm going to have to use it for the next two years? Like that that's the thing that I want to feel like has has changed. Right. And and that's also why not to get into the whole thing again, but just briefly, like that's also why the, the workflow acquisition concerns me. Uh, because now we also know that workflow has been is, is like officially they're not going to update it anymore. And so whatever is going to happen there is going to be now involved in Apple's overall production cycle. So I feel like I won't feel perfectly calm about this until I can see that we're not going to go through two year gaps where nothing changes that and th- then I'll feel better. Then I'll feel better. I still have a lot of the same feelings from last time. It just like my biggest point and it's just that things are different and we need to see how they shake out. Like the mm-hmm. schedules have all changed. Everything's different. I do feel better that they've gone on record to say that, that they're renewing their commitment to the professional user. That just makes me feel better. Mm. It, and it makes me feel better because it's such an unapple thing to do that it it means something to them so much that they decided to do it now rather than wait until WWDC in June when mm-hmm. it's the exact same audience that are willing mm-hmm. to listen that they thought that it was important enough to get in front of it and to talk about it now. Um, so I feel better from there. But we've we have a, a, a rehashed a little bit what we were talking about last time, which brought many people to to question why we are not switching. And one thing that was mentioned a lot, because we mentioned switching costs, and I want to take a moment to establish what we consider switching costs to be. Mm -hmm. Switching costs are not financial costs. We're not talking about the price of buying an Android tablet and a Windows PC. Yeah, yeah, more than anything. (laughs) Yeah, we, we really need to emphasize it has the word cost in it. But we're not talking about dollars here. No. And what we're talking about is upheaval. Mm-hmm. It is the, the effect it will have on time, the effect that it will have on frustration. So mm-hmm. Me and Gray really know how to use our Macs. Like, we really know how to use those. We mm-hmm. know how to use Final Cut. We know how to use Logic. We know everything about all of the little utilities that we have to mm-hmm. record. I don't really know anything about the the programs that I would need to use on Windows. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I don't want to take two weeks out of my business to relearn everything. Mm -hmm. That's the big thing. This is what we're talking about here. It's the idea of going, here is a new thing. You haven't used this either at all or in like 10 years. Learn it. Mm -hmm. Like I don't even really understand how the file structure of Windows works anymore. You know, like where things get saved and stuff like that. Because on the Mac, a bunch of that stuff just happens automatically now, mm-hmm. right? Like your files just get saved for you. And, you know, there's like, it's all backed up. Like I know how all of it works. And I'm sure that there are things like this for Windows. I'm sure that there are things like this for Android. But the thing is, we don't know them. Mm-hmm. So if I was to say, right, I'm switching to Windows, I can't produce shows the next day. Mm-hmm. Like, my business has to shut down while I relearn all of this stuff. Or I can try and do them together at the same time, which is still, like, there's stuff I can't do if I'm trying to learn it. 
So the switching costs are just like what it would take for us to have to start again. Mm-hmm. And all of the things that could fall out of that. Like, if I'm trying to learn a new piece of software, I'm going to screw up more. And screwing up more has many costs to it. Mm-hmm. Like, if I'm putting out shows with broken audio in them, because I've done something stupid of an application, it's going to upset people, and it's going to make people maybe not want to listen to the episode. It's mm-hmm. going to make advertisers unhappy, because I might screw up something, right? Like, there are so many things that can fall out of this, because you we would effectively be changing our entire pipeline of how our production is. Mm-hmm. And that's a big potential risk. Therefore, that's the switching cost. Yeah, the other thing with switching costs that I think is, uh, it is hard to see until you think about it. But it is the enormous stock of knowledge you have about a system mm-hmm. that you don't even really realize that you have. And so, like when, when you've used a platform for 10 years, you build up a whole, a whole compilation of index cards that are filled with little tricks and tips about like, oh, under this particular situation, this thing will make this work a little bit better. Or like, oh, I remember this problem. I know how to solve this. Like, just give me two seconds and I'll get this done. And you just don't realize how much of that is built up. Uh, whereas, you know, every once in a while, I have to help my, uh, my father with his Windows PC. And I, I am so aware, like, it is not that, that a Windows is like a worse system. But it's just like, I have no repertoire of knowledge of how to help with any, with even like, problems that would be the most trivial of problems to solve it's like uh, i have no idea where to start and when you're talking about computers it just it's it's everything right it's how you spend so much of your time doing everything that you do and then like even just as a little example you talk about relearning programs it's like oh yeah that would take some time to do it would take dozens of hours per application but then when you are invested in an ecosystem, you also know all of these ways to help out what you're doing. And so it's like, oh, when I'm editing stuff in, in Final Cut, like I'm doing some animations, there are now plenty of times, because I have enough experience doing podcasts, that I'll pop the audio out of Final Cut, bring it into Logic, do a bunch of edits in Logic, and then put it back into Final Cut. Right? And it's like, okay, well, now here's a case of it's not like, oh, I just need to le- relearn the video editing software. It's like, I also need to relearn the audio editing software, right? Which multiplies out if I want to do videos on a new system, how long is it going to take? And then there are, there are just so many ways that all of the applications that we use connect with each other. And, and it's a thing that you build up over time. And so when we're discussing switching costs, I think it's very important for people to understand we're not even really talking about, oh, it's going to take me a couple dozen hours to relearn a professional program to the speed that I am at now. It's like we're talking about literally hundreds and hundreds of hours of time that you would need to invest to get to the same level of proficiency and to have the same number of tools available that can reproduce everything that you do all day long in professional and personal capacities is like that's what the switching cost is right and that's why it is so enormous to move from platform to platform one other one for me Hmm? a lot of my business a lot of the shows that i make are based around apple Mm -hmm. if i switch from apple can i conduct my business Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) like 
if I become an Android user, the shows where I talk about the iPhone a lot, that's going to get a bit more difficult to do. Yeah. That's going to be a big problem for me. So the reason that we stick with Apple, even when we're frustrated with them, is because the other option is a nuclear one. Yeah. So when we are just frustrated, the beginning of our frustration is not the beginning of the switch, right? Like, yeah. if we're just starting to get frustrated, which we are, it's not the time. Mm-hmm. The frustration must continue for a long period of time before we're willing to make a change. So I understand that people listen to us and they find it peculiar. Mm-hmm. And I also understand that I'm sure many people have made that switch. Mm-hmm. But there was a reason for them that compelled them enough. And we're not at that point yet. We're just now getting to the beginning of a frustration. So really, let's see how the next 50 episodes go and then we'll work out where we are. You're going to take some of these quotes for episode 100? Yep. When we're both on... Uh... Windows 12. Look how stupid they were. They said they would never leave Apple. <laughs> By the way, if you've seen my Google Pixel 12, it's beautiful. My Surface Studio 4 is amazing. Yeah, look at that. The, the entire desk is a screen. <laughs>